the scripture, the sermon today, I'll be honest, I've been wrestling with the scripture for, I want to say about two and a half years, three years. It's, I mean, I mean, I've heard this scripture when I first got saved, even the times when I went to church those few times when I was a kid and was lost, I heard the scripture then. Um, and, you know, I just, when I heard it, I, I was on the, the roads of Mississippi. I was, I was traveling from Kemper um, High School, and I was going from one side of Mississippi to the other side of Mississippi. And I would just put the Bible on, and I would just listen. And I would listen to it over and over again. And it got to the scripture, and, you know, I've heard it a hundred times. And when I was listening to it, I said, oh, wait, let me stop and listen to that again. Because I heard something I never heard before in that scripture. That scripture is about repentance. Not just those that are lost, that one sheep, but the 99 needed to repent also. And I didn't realize all those times listening to that scripture that he was talking to the 99. And he was talking to those Pharisees. He was talking to those scribes. And he was saying to them that you think you're just and you're looking down on those sinners. That there'll be more glory in that one that repents than the 99 of you that don't. So let's read this scripture and see where the Lord takes me today. I just, I honestly pray, I just want him to speak through me. Just share this word with you in this week or like me, two and a half years. Just think about it. What does it mean? So looking at chapter um, Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. And the word says... Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, Does he not leave the 99 into the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come here today to preach your word, to share your gospel, Lord, that I just ask you that you continue to bless this word, that it goes out there. 
And it just sinks into everyone that's here. Lord, let them see you, not me, today, Lord. Let this be your word. I ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so if I go back and I I, I think we kind of have to travel in time because this is you Sunday. And we've heard the story told a whole bunch of different ways. I remember the first time I ever heard this story. And I, I'm thinking in my mind that the sheep, and I, and I see the sheep, he, he, the sheep is lost. I even see it like in the crevice of, of the cliffs, you know, trying to get to some water. And then it's like, it's almost like those prayers were going up. Bah! Bah! It's like, Jesus is just following the, the prayers. Bah! And then he, he finally finds the sheep. Grabs the sheep, puts it on its shoulders, walks back to the 99, and rejoice. And I was like, and for the longest time, that's, that's how I saw that story. And then as I got older, it's like I started hearing the adult version of that story, which is a little bit different. Because all of a sudden they added why the sheep left the 99 in the first place. And if we look at John, John was talking about this big bad wolf. And this big bad wolf goes, now I'm going to give you the, um, I guess the grim fairy tale kind of version 2.0. But it's true because, you know, John talks about this. This big bad wolf will come. And the shepherd's gone, and, you know, there's some people walking over the herd, watching over the, the flock, but you know what? They're scared just as much as the sheep are of the big wave wolf, and they leave, and the sheep scatter. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes out there, the shepherd, and he finds the sheep. And then I'm always told this story, so what happens when the shepherd finds the sheep? doesn't just put it on the shoulders. He breaks the legs of the sheep. And then he mends the legs of the sheep. And then he puts it on his shoulders. And he carries that sheep until the sheep is healed. That's kind of gruesome. I'm glad you didn't tell me that as a kid at six years old. I'd be scared of the shepherd. So I started thinking, well, that one, and and you know what? I was that one. I was lost. I even put it on my dog tags. Don't tell anyone this. Wait a second, you're recording this. (laughs) Um, That was Buddhist when I joined the military. I mean, I, I was lost. I was so far away from Jesus. I even had on my dog tags, and I would brag about having Buddhists on my dog tags. I was like the only one. I thought I was special. I've never been to a Buddhist church or anything, but I was lost. And, and, you know, while I was in the military, I thought the most important thing to me was having the fastest car on the road. And I, you know what? 
I, almost every single dime I got, I put into that car. When I was in basic training, I just had all my money go to my mom. My stepdad built this beautiful car for me. It had a 350 engine, bored out 30. It was like a 355. It had a four-barrel carburetor. I mean, it was fast. And when I went out to Washington State and I was going through Montana, I set it on cruise control at 160. Going through Montana. No speed limit. Why not? Let's push it. I didn't realize that, you know, the, uh, the radiator uh, should have been upgraded too. Um, ended up overheating when I got to South, uh, South Dakota and uh, uh, blew up the battery. Um, that was kind of different. So um, I had to get a new battery, but, you know, I was lost. You know, I was thinking about going as fast as I can. The other thing I loved was motorcycles, dirt bikes. I used to ride dirt bikes all over. I used to ride them, try to get as far as away I can from those uh, FBI and, and state patrol. And even one time I came over this jump, and next thing you know, there was an MP right on me. You know what I was thinking? I could outrun this MP. I was lost. <laughs> but I was having fun. <laughs> Um, needless to say, my buddies got ahead of me, and they kicked up all the smoke, and I, boy, next thing you know, I was on the side of the trails out in Area J out in Fort Bragg, and this MP has a gun to my back. It's carrying me off to jail. Call my commander to come and get me. And my commander, he just laughs at me, because he rides dirt bikes too, he said, well, if you're dumb enough to get caught, I got to give you Article 15. So he gave me a summarized Article 15. Didn't go on my permanent record, but I sure had to cut grass for 14 days. And I couldn't leave the barracks. And boy, I, I loved my motorcycle. I loved my car. Those were the two most important things in my life. But I was that sheep. And what happened next, he broke my legs. Not, not literally broke my legs. But when I got my motorcycle out of compound, I decided to leave it on the truck. Guess what? It wasn't there in the morning. It was gone. It was stolen. Jesus took it from me. You know that beautiful car? I mean, I had the best paint job on it. When I gave my life to to Jesus, and I was going to church with my wife. I had left my car out um, at where I was living. I don't know. I guess the Lord saved me because all of a sudden, that trailer I was living in, because my roommate's space heater caught on fire. And he even had his motorbike inside the house. So guess what? His motorbike blew up. And it destroyed my car. <laughs> I think I only got like $1,000 for it when I sold it. And I had put $23,000 into that car. <coughs> he broke me. He put me on his shoulders and I, and I healed. And I'm a changed person today. Amen. So I know what it's like to be the one. 
But what I don't know what it's like to be is the 99. Now, the 99, I had the question, who is the 99? At first, you know, when I first read it, you know, that's, that's the church. Those are the saved. Those are the righteous. Those are the ones following God. But then when I've looked at that first two lines, he says who the 99 are. He says the 99 are the Pharisees and the scribes who were complaining. And I was thrown off because the one, I was like, why one? It's not one. It's all the lost, the sinners, the tax collectors. So let me kind of set this up. I got to visualize this. Um, It might help you see it too. So let's say... Everyone on this side is the 99. Everyone on this side is the one. Why am I going here? Let's go to a verse that, or a couple verses that are in Mark. If you would, um, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Give me an amen when you get there. Because I might, I I need your help at this part because I'm about ready to talk about the 99 and this is not going to be easy. So I need your smiles. I need your amens. I need whatever you could give me. Um, Because I have tried to talk about the 99. I've getting some pushbacks from some of my friends. They don't quite see it this way. But if we look at Mark chapter 4, Verses 10 through 12, it's titled, not like this Bible because it titles it, it titles the purpose of parables. So Jesus is telling a parable, so I really need to know what the purpose of parables are. And he explains it here. He says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you, it has been given to the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn, and this is the best part, and their sins be forgiven them. You almost have to repent to understand the parable. And if we take the one that he actually explains, I mean, from the person that if you first heard this parable, it talks about the sawyer, the one that's sowing the seeds. And of course, you know, we think that's a person, but in the parable, he says it's the word of God, not a person. So looking at this parable, I need to break it down and see what the mysteries are. So on this side, I have the 99. These are the Pharisees. These are the scribes. These are like the ones that, you know how kids just believe in Santa Claus without no doubt in their mind um, and to a certain point in their lives? I think that happens with the church too, that, that kids just believe in Jesus. It's like when we did the survey, I saw something that just really blew my mind. It's like when we surveyed the 12 to 18-year-olds, 
They were saying they had been a member of the church for 12 to 18 years. In their mind, they have grown up in the church. And sometimes they have never been broken. They have never been saved. Just like the Pharisees. I mean, at the time, that was the church. They were following God. They were following God's word. And even if we look at it, the church keeps making mistakes over and over and over again. Sometimes those mistakes, we needed a flood. Or we needed some cities destroyed. Or we needed a famine. But then we were given his son. Jesus. And even looking at our last few sermons that we heard, it's that he didn't come here to judge the sinners. He came here to save the sinners. And even the people following God at the time were the ones that put him on the cross. It was the church. And throughout history, I'm thinking, well, do we keep repeating this mistake over and over again? You know, if we look at leaning up to World War II over in Germany, it was the church. The church supported Germany, supported Hitler. The church thought they were better than the Jews. And that they were just. And through that just, or what they perceived as righteousness, they killed millions of Jews. You know, there was a time that everyone sitting in the church had slaves. There was a time everyone sitting in the church probably supported the Trail of Tears. So Jesus is speaking in a parable, and there's just one simple truth in this parable, is that these 99 are equal to this one. This 99 is not better than this one. That these 99 need to get on their knees and repent. Because they think they're so better than that one that they won't even go and talk to the one. And sometimes it's because of your job. I mean, in the words, as tax collectors. Well, let's throw in politicians. I've heard that, you know, a politician, you're just going to be corrupt. That you can't be saved. No, anyone can be saved. Anyone can repent. Some of us have repented at least three times today, if not more. Some of us haven't repented for months. Maybe years. Maybe just have that inner belief, well, I've just been in the church my whole entire life. I'm a Christian. Pharisees thought the same thing. Scribes thought the same thing. However, Jesus didn't. 
Jesus said you needed to repent. You need to be saved. You need to be broken and placed on his shoulders. When you repent, you're saying that you're wrong and Jesus is right. It's that faith. You have to have that faith. We have Christians that have been working their whole entire lives since they were born in the church. And they feel entitled. They feel entitled. And if you ask them, hey, would you allow someone that was a murderer or a rapist sit next to you in church? They'll be the first one to tell you, uh-uh, they need to go to another church. Jesus came for the sinners, the lost. The Pharisees didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Jesus said, you won't understand this parable. And so all of a sudden now... I keep hearing, it's like, well, why don't these 99 go out and talk to these sinners? You know what they tell me? And they said, well, that's Jesus' job. That is Jesus' job. And sometimes they say it's the pastor's job. (laughs) Or maybe the deacon's job. But I remember in Acts that there was something that came down out of the air that entered into you. That Jesus is inside of you if you have been repented and you have been saved and you believe in his word, Jesus is in you. You have his scripture. You've been in the church forever and you have gone to all these. It's in your mind. All Jesus is saying is share that with these ones that are lost. That is all. That is all. That's all we have to do. If we go to Matthews, it, it, you know, I have to bring in Matthews because Matthew was pretty right. At the very end of Matthews, the last thing Jesus says in, in this gospel, most of you know this, is the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. Not only did he give us his Holy Spirit, He commanded you to use it. He commanded you to go and witness to the ones. You know, sometimes the ones are our nephews. They're our kids. They're our parents. They have been lost. They lost. They went over here. And it's so hard for those ones to come back over here because they look at you. Like you're righteous and they'd be embarrassed. You know, I have never heard anyone use the word righteous besides in the Bible about someone and it been a positive thing. And that's how some of these ones talk about these 99. But all Jesus wants us to do is just to come together. Put everything to the side. And put him first. Amen. And just follow him. And I'm telling you, it's, it's not easy. I mean, that big bad wolf, he is always out there to scatter the flock. And sometimes the ones that are guarding the flock, because the shepherd had to go somewhere, 
This is our parents. And when they saw the big bad wolf, guess what? They ran too. They got scattered. Some people have stopped going to church because of their children. Some children stopped going to church because of their parents. And then all of a sudden we get so righteous or we think we're so just that we can't just humble ourselves. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be that mindless sheep that just follows Jesus. I, I had a goat. I know it's not the same as the sheep, but they said they're like very similar characteristics. And, you know, I've had a dog. I have a bunny. I've had fish. I have turtles. I have frogs. I've had all kinds of stuff. Cats. There's one thing about that goat that wasn't like anything else. I could take that goat. If I took it out of the pen, it would never leave my side. I could walk all the way around the house. Wherever I go, it was at my side. And when I put it in the pen and I would walk away, it would cry and cry and cry. And it would get so excited when I go out there. And it, I, I guess it just bonded with me. And they, I mean, I've never had a pet sheep. And, and, and people tell me it's the exact same thing. It's that blind faith. Just follow Jesus. Do what he asks you to do. It will feel awkward. It will feel uncomfortable. And you'll try not to do it. But when you do it, you'll see the blessings. You'll see the blessings. So, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. We talked about doubt today. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So this doesn't say some. It says all. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Always he's with us. Even to the end of age. Of the age. Amen. Today is that day. Don't feel that you're so righteous you can't humble yourself. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, 
find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.